This is Classic Business with Michael Avery on Classic 1027 in Gauteng and Fine Music Radio in Cape Town. It's time for your view from the C-suite this week in partnership with Eltron, bringing you closer to the business leaders around the boardroom table, be they the CEOs or the founders or the CIOs, and to find out what makes them tick, what keeps them up at night, what gets them out of bed every morning and drives them to excel. Well, my next guest is certainly no stranger to uh, the rarefied atmosphere of the commanding heights of corporate South Africa, but it certainly wasn't always so. He wasn't one of what you would call the anointed private school educated uh, sons and daughters of the ruling capitalist class, but he worked his way up through the likes of Old Mutual, Stanlib, and uh, now has uh, arguably one of the toughest turnaround jobs of the times on his hands as CEO of Omnia. Seelan Gobblesami, welcome to the show. Thank you, Michael. Now, reading up on your career so far, one thing really struck me. There was a profile piece, I think it was Accounting Essay, where it was revealed that you studied every past matric exam paper oh, since gosh. 1948 to prepare for your matric finals in 92. Is that oh. true? Oh, goodness. That's a while back. That comes back from my family life. I had a very disciplined dad who uh, encouraged me to work hard. He said, you know, if you work hard, apply yourself success will follow. So yes, I did do a lot of work through school, determined to achieve and do well. So I did a few more exam papers than I should have to prepare. 44 years worth of past mm. papers. You must have got straight A's in matric. Um, well, a long time ago, and it doesn't really matter. So. <laughs> Just tell me about your upbringing and where this uh, spark and passion yeah. for business came from. Yeah, I grew up in East London of all places, so uh, close to the coast, a very simple family. Um, my uh, a family of four, dad, mum, and one brother, um, taught to work hard, uh, study hard, and eventually success will follow. I went to a local school, a small government school. And then I wanted to become an accountant. And Michael, the reason why is I went to a career evening one night and someone said, if you want to secure your future and earn, I think it was 3,000 or 4,000 rand a month, you <laughs> need to be a chartered accountant. So I said, that's it. So off I went, um, studied a BCom at Rhodes. I was lucky. Initially, I battled to get a scholarship or funding or a bursary, but eventually did get one and was lucky enough to do a BCom honors in Grahamstown and then continue to do my articles and become an accountant. I then um, moved from East London, moved to Cape Town, joined Old Mutual, um, lots of opportunities to learn, to learn about leadership, to learn about business, and that's how my career started. And uh, I believe as, as a bean counter, in fact, uh, while you were studying towards that BCom part-time, you, you funded that by working at a local yeah. Edgar store, so from yeah. bean counting to counting yeah. stock on the floor. I love business. So from a young age, you know, I was taught how to sell things in the community, how to grow things in your garden and sell it. So I've just had a passion uh, for business, a passion for customers, a passion for people. And I guess it's great when you follow your passion because then you put in a chunk of effort and you really enjoy what you're doing. So I love mm. business. I love sales. I love dealing with people, understanding how things tick um, and making a difference. As Warren Buffett says, you'll never work a day in your life. If you if you follow your, your passion, you'll uh, tap uh, dance into work every morning. Now, you spent almost 10 years of your early career at the Big Green, various roles there. You were FD, head of admin, head of corporate distribution, MD in the corporate business. So you can venture an opinion, and I'd like you to venture an opinion on what you see unfolding at the moment. It's a very 
ugly public spat between Peter Moyer and the board. Yeah, um, Old Mutual is a great company. And I think, um, you know, in the medium to long term, it'll all blow over and it will settle. And Old Mutual and Peter will get through it, you know. So I, I really wish them all the best to resolve it. Old Mutual does a lot of good in the communities. It's got great customers, great people working there. In the medium to long term, it'll all go away. Yeah, one of those things that uh, in the moment uh, just seems like it's intractable. Now, you succeeded Tybalt Glorty as CEO of Stanlib five years ago, 2014. At the time, Stanlib was struggling, and it has, if you look at the last 10 years, it has underperformed many of its peers. What did you make of that time? What did you learn as a leader during such a difficult yeah. time? What I really loved about Stanlib is, you know, Stanlib's got um, what you'd call very, very smart intellectual individuals. So I enjoyed spending time with captains of industry who were really good at what they did. You know, individuals who were the best property stock pickers in the market, individuals who were the best bond pickers in the market, uh, very, very intellectually astute, which is different from working with a team of people of three or 4,000 who do a lot of admin, who do a lot of processing and call centers and, and those sorts of things. So I enjoyed investing. I enjoyed having diverse views around the table. You know, I remember one day sitting with a with uh, one of the star property investors and he would spend two hours watching the people go in and out of a shopping center. You know, so as I came into your offices today and I got my parking ticket, I remembered um, my colleague at Stanley who said, you know, he would watch the flow of customers in and out of a parking garage. Kellen and Lovu? Kellen, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so a lovely guy, you know, really good. Um, and I enjoyed... Um, I enjoyed leading individuals, different different individuals, different ways of looking at investing. You know, we invested in private equity funds, funds that invested in agriculture along the Nile River, all the way from infrastructure funds and then to your typical stocks. I really enjoyed the people. Stanlib has some very strong franchises, a very strong property business, a very strong fixed income business, and it was busy building out its um alternative assets while I was there. We were busy building out the equity portfolio. And during my time there, we listed Liberty Two Degrees, which is um, some of the flagship uh, properties in Santon. But yeah. I guess I'm not here to market Stanley. No, <laughs> I was about to say, yeah. before we digress too yeah. much, really where you find yourself now is, as I said in my introduction, a very difficult situation. You're at Omni at a time mm. when the market is really miffed with the whole affair. Your plans to raise new equity, despite saying a month before that you were adequately funded, really upset the market, left a sour taste. And uh, it does seem fairly unusual for someone to join as a non-executive director. The ex-CFO, who is very experienced and highly rated as one of the top CFOs, leaves suddenly. You then take over that role in February. And then six months later, you become the CEO. Is there a sense of a palace coup about this? No, no I mean, let's let's take a step back and think about, about Omnia first. You know, Omnia has got a really big impact to play in uh, South Africa in the countries it operates. It operates in primary markets, so agriculture, chemicals, and mining. It's been a very, very successful business for a number of years. You know, it's got a strong heritage, really great assets um, in Sasselberg and across the world, some great engineers. Uh, the business employs um, some of the top chemical, electrical, mechanical engineers in the world. Um, with a largest employer of agronomists in the in the country so a really great asset a really great business i think unfortunately what happened in the business is the business took on a lot of debt 
um, did some acquisitions, expanded organically and inorganically, and I guess faced some headwinds. So, you know, if you think about all of us, just simplistically put, you know, if we spend a little bit more than we make and we and we take on a little bit more debt and we expect things to be okay and things, headwinds hit economies in sub-Saharan Africa and in Africa, you eventually have your debt ballooning a little bit out of control. And that's, I guess, what happened in Omnia's case. You know, I came in, I joined the board late last year and in March I joined as as the FD and my first role was really to uh, look at the debt, look at the balance sheet and the capital structure and decide what the way forward was. It was a very, very difficult time for the business, for the staff, for the previous CEO. The business was under a lot of stress. You know, doing a rights offer, you've seen how difficult that can be and how that plays out. We've had a lot of South African companies under stress. And I guess the type of person I am, when I saw that happening, I rolled up my sleeves and jumped in. And I said, you know, I'd like to be involved in the turnaround. I'd like to stand up for the Omnia people, for the Omnia customers, and hopefully, you know, we can um, uh, rescue the balance sheet, uh, bring in some new capital, save as many jobs as we can, and keep making the difference we make in the chemicals, agriculture, and mining sector. So mm. I'm pleased to sit here today and say that, you know, we've um, got our two billion rand rights off, uh, off the ground. It's been fully underwritten by our shareholders. The null paids are trading on the JSE, and by the end of this month, we would have the two billion coming in. We will use that to settle the large amount of debt we've got, the 6.8 billion rand bridge loan we've put in place. And hopefully, you know, we can chat again in a year or two's time, and we can see Omnia being one of the success stories of a South African company. You know, yes, having a lot of debt, and yes, have being in a little bit of trouble, but getting through that, getting and through that, turned it around successfully. And at one stage, uh, back in 2014, where the Nanotron scheme was put in place, we saw the market cap around 12 billion. It sank all the way back down to two. And just to continue to talk about what perhaps went wrong, I mean, the rumor being that the former MD Adrian Delonga was in a way protected by Rod Humphreys. That's why he survived for more than two years while sort of Rome was burning around the place. He had experience in running a fertilizer business, but it did sound like he was a little bit out of his depth. At the half-year results, he couldn't give the market an honest answer on the debt facility, the interest rate or the security when the new agreement was signed. Isn't that gross dishonesty or just plain incompetence? You know, if you ask me, you know, was there any gross dishonesty or was something bad done, you know, was was money misappropriated, appropriated, you know, I haven't seen that. You know, what I've seen, unfortunately, is businesses take risk, businesses anticipate tailwinds, they anticipate successes, and sometimes those go wrong. You know, sometimes the headwinds are a bit more extreme. We've seen both the agriculture and the mining sector slow down in South Africa and Africa. You know, we've also seen the rainfall, the rain patterns change quite drastically, um, rains being late, rains not coming. You know, so it's been an unfortunate time for the for the business. You know, my view is uh, a business that's as cyclical as Omnia should not have as much debt. So, you know, my focus now is to pay back as much debt as possible, generate as much cash as possible, you know, and to put the company on a successful path going forward. Uh, can you say what the interest rate is and uh, whether it changes monthly or quarterly and, and that kind of thing on the facility? We haven't disclosed our interest rates publicly, but they're all market-related. And clearly, when a company's got a lot of debt, there's a lot of, a lot of interest. But we've got a really robust turnaround plan that I've presented to banks 
and to shareholders. You know, we've got a strong board that's supporting that turnaround plan and supporting the management. So we are we are trading as planned. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of the different actions and a lot of deep actions we needed to take. You know, we needed to focus on working capital. We needed to reduce our costs. We needed to think harder about some of the investments we've made across the world and in Africa. And all of those actions that we've put in place, we're tracking fairly o- okay to them. Um, so directly, we don't disclose the interest rate. But, I mean, you can imagine if there's a, you know, if there's a large bridge, bridge loan, there's a lot of interest. So we've got to work a little harder, take out a little more cost um, to fund to fund that. If we turn now to the rights offer of $2 billion, if you go to the definition of that bridge facility in the rights offer circular. It says that in late June, post the restructure, you had to use $5.8 billion of the $6.8 billion facilities that were put in place as part of the debt rollover and, and restructuring. On that basis, you basically had $1 billion of liquidity, less $60 odd million in fees uh, to raise the rights offer, which leaves you with around Nine hundred and thirty-five million to work with uh, at the start of the upswing now of your cycle. Uh, my estimate is you probably need about three to four billion more to fund the cycle. So basically, it looks like uh, you're going to have to come to market to raise more money. No. So I mean, let me let me just talk through that a little bit. We we put in place a six point eight billion rand bridge loan, which we believe is sufficient for the company to trade, um, and to trade through the the intense working capital cycle that you referred to. So I think you're 100% correct is that we build up fertilizer stocks up until the rainy season. And when um, when the rain arrives and our farmers plant, you know, we then um, move that stock into cash. So we've been, you know, we have we 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 will not in the short term need need more money uh, for our planting season, we've had some very um, mani- very steep management action plans to reduce costs and reduce working capital. Um, so as we stand now, you know we've got enough money to run the company. We've been able to raise the two billion of um, of of cash in the rights offer, and our working capital is significantly better than what it was last year. So a lot of our management action um, has um, delivered um, the intended result. Talk to me about the margins and how you plan on trading your way out of this. What are your margins looking like? Because it did look at your most recent results like your your margins had come all the way down. So how are you planning on generating yes. more free cash flow? Yes. So, I mean, our our we've got three business sectors, if I can call that, chemicals, agriculture and mining. In the chemicals business, we own Protea Chemicals, a very old, well-established brand in this country. Um, we also acquired a, a, a business called Amongo, which is a, a partnership with Chevron that distributes additives and base oils across South Africa and Africa. Um, in the agriculture space, we've got the traditional Omnia fertilizer, which you're aware of. Um, we market leaders in that space. We've produced granulated fertilizer. And we've got a biostimulant business that we've acquired that operates across the world. And then finally, in the mining sector, we've got the full suite of explosives from detonators to the infrastructure to um, to detonate and then the emulsion and the explosives that gets detonated. Mm. In all three of our businesses, as you say, have shown a margin reduction last year. All three of them faced headwinds at the same time. 
Um, we have put specific initiatives in place in all of the businesses to increase those margins. I think what, what I've told investors, you will see a rebasing of the margins in the short term and over the medium to long term, those margins will get back to a sustainable level. So how we will generate the cash, which I think is the key point you've, 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 you've touched on, is we will generate the cash to pay down the debt, to pay down the interest and to ensure our business is sustainable going forward from reducing our working capital to make sure that we don't have excess stock supplies, uh, detonators, fertilizer um, in different parts of the country or around the world. We will, we will, we will create cash by reducing our costs, uh, which we're tracking fairly well to, and we will increase our margins by normalizing our volumes. So um, um, we will also look at our CapEx spend. Um, the company has spent a lot of money in CapEx over the years. That mm. CapEx spend um, is now, CapEx cycle is now coming to, a, to an end. We've got some of the most modern plants in the country, um, the most carbon-friendly plants in the country, which um, means that we don't need to spend the amount of money we've spent in prior years. So all of that together results in cash dropping, dropping into our bank account, hopefully, and a margin uptick if the costs come through, if the if the way we think about return on capital improves, um, all of those three businesses, as you mentioned, will have a margin increase over the next few years. I don't think the business will normalize immediately. So, you know, you won't. Well, all three of those sectors, Seelan, are still facing significant headwinds in South Africa. And I think it's a problem for all businesses, unfortunately. Exactly. So the chemicals business, you know, we've, we've, is, is, is exper has experienced headwinds um, in the current year. You know, we, you've seen GDP Growth rates come out saying that, you know, agriculture is not where we'd like it to be. Mining quarter on quarter has seen a little bit of uptick, which is great. And, you know, we really hope that some of the headwinds the mining companies face uh, will reduce. But our mining business has seen, has seen um, you know, positive volumes over the, over the last year. As a board, have you sat down and had a look at the situation and said, perhaps it won't turn around? Have you ever run a, um, a scenario of the business running out of money and perhaps facing business rescue? Yeah. We've, um, so, you know, we've put out a, in our rights offer circular, we've answered exactly that question. We said we've got very clear management action to take to, um, to solve the debt position we've got, and we're well on track with that. If we face more significant headwinds from an external perspective, we will take deeper action. So we will um, take deeper cost cuts, cost cuts, excuse me. And um, and if um, if the headwinds are more significant than that, we could very easily consider selling or disposing of one or two of our non-core assets. We don't believe there's a need to dispose of any of those assets now. So you know we're not running that process. We've got great shareholders who are supporting us. You know, we've got great products, uh, very competitive products, and we've really got great people at Omnia. So, you know, my, my task right now is to stabilize, implement the fixes, and renew the business. You know, if the headwinds are greater, Michael, and the question's asked, well, what are you going to do to avoid business rescue or to avoid uh, a, 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 a problem we will take deeper action and those actions are available I think that's what business leaders need to do we need to mm. think about the different scenarios the probabilities of them and make sure there's a plan in the bottom drawer 
that and we can pull out. You say people are the primary asset in an organization like that, uh, the most agronomists in the country. Difficult to manage a business from a leadership perspective, saying to your people, potentially, mm. we're going to have to restructure and deep cuts mean yeah. layoffs. What, yeah. what is your leadership ethos through yeah. a period of uh, immense transformation yeah. like this? I think it's to be honest, it's to be authentic. You know, uh, people want to know that what you're telling them is is real. You know, you can only... You know, I'm a I'm a very transparent, authentic individual. We are going through job cuts. You know, it's very difficult. It's very difficult to to go through job cuts. But I think you've got to be honest. You know, you've got to say if everyone in an organization can be competitive, can be globally competitive, you know, the organization will will succeed. So I've um, I've been spending a lot of time with our people. Um, you know, we spoke about managing fund managers in uh, at Stanley, but at Omnia you manage a lot of engineers very technically astute, very clever individuals. So you've got to create an environment where um, our people can thrive, they can feel valued, they can make innovative decisions. Um, and unfortunately, where there's waste and there's unproductive behavior, we've got also got to take that out. Um, and I think that all South African companies need to do that. You know, we all need to be globally competitive. We all need to know that we're the best at what we do across the world so that um, customers across the world can buy from us, not just customers in South Africa. And it all starts uh, from the top and going back 40-odd years mm. in your uh, matric exam. Seelan yeah. Sami, Omnia CEO, we certainly uh, wish you well in returning the business to its former glory. No one wants to see one of the South Africa's top companies hit yeah. the wall. So um, all power to you and your elbow and your management team's elbows as well.